This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage assistance, contact their team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. Final hour of the show, pony up next. So this is your last hour. You can actually have some fun because you're going to get talked down to for four hours coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be great. Top five NBA players of all time given to us by Billy Jack. That coming up at 120. Before I get to the Mike Gundy stuff, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the great Tim May. Thank you so much to Tim May. Listen, I it, there's very few guys. I know I'm supposed to be impartial and all that other crap. Okay, I got it. But I'm not a journalist, I'm not a writer, I'm not a reporter, I'm a guy on the radio. So I'm just going to tell you right now, there are certain people in any of the major sports, in any of the sports in general, who yeah, I just find myself pulling for, okay? I just find, they're good people, they've been good to me, I find myself pulling for them. So yes, sometimes the language can get a little flowery towards others, and there are times maybe where I can't help it. I'm not the biggest jerk in the world, even though sometimes I try to be, and yeah, every now and then maybe I pull a punch, and I shouldn't pull a punch. I apologize. Up front, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and I'm going to get this off my chest, damn it, because I wanted to earlier, and Pirno completely ruined it. So, Billy, you're the one who has to deal with it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is still a guy to me that is from me being allowed to be full-on fanboy not have to go against and think about a couple of different things. Because NASCAR to me, I love NASCAR as a kid, I love NASCAR and as an adult, and, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. was the last guy, the last driver I was a fan of. I, I can't really be a fan of him anymore. I, I do feel weird. I feel weird. Like, there's guys that I, I think I, I kind of like, and I kind of like their teams, but I don't know. Like, I can't, no. I'm, you know, I'm 33 years old. I did this with Baker Mayfield. Billy, you ready to hear this story real quick? Uh, go for it. So last year, Liz is pregnant, and Baker Baker Mayfield hysteria is sweeping Northeast Ohio. Liz likes the name Baker and wants to name our third son Baker. Comes home from the doctor. This is after the 2018 season, and we're having a boy. Great. This is our third son. And wants to name him Baker. I go, you can't name him Baker. Okay. Well, other people are naming him Baker. I go, that's fine. I said, they can name their kids Baker. They don't have to look at Baker. They don't have to talk to Baker. And I think it's a, I, I said, I got to be honest with you. You can find a different name because I can't sit there and be in a position where I have to interview this guy 
who's nine years younger than me and go, hey, my wife named our son after you. Is that weird? How weird is that? Like, I, that sentence coming out of my mouth, I feel like Kathy Bates in misery talking to James Caan. Don't you? Wouldn't you? I know you probably haven't seen that movie, Billy Jack, but that's the way I feel. Like, I'm one step away from putting Baker Mayfield's legs between a board and taking a sledgehammer to one of them. Like, hold on, that's hold on, how I hold feel. on, hold on. What? I, of course, seen that movie. Okay, sorry. I didn't know if you – not everybody's seen it. It's a classic. Kathy Bates is one of my favorite actresses. Oh, fantastic. So – does that not seem a little weird to you? It does. It does seem a little weird. Baker, I've named my son after you. Here's a picture of my son. Here's a picture of our youngest son, our final son. He's ba- his name is Baker Carmen. How creepy is that? Just the way I said it. I wish people could see my face when I said it. And I feel the same way about all these guys. Like like the play there's players who I know are good guys. And I'm sure it's the same way. It's the same way with drivers, especially in that, because even though it's a team sport, it feels like it's an individual sport. So I can't sit there and go, go, Alex Bowman. Oh, my God. And you see the video, I'm going, man, that's weird. That is very weird. Ryan Blaney is from my same geographical area. and His dad was a hell of a race car driver, and he's a hell of a race car driver. And he's got better equipment, and he'll probably end up being a much better NASCAR cup driver than what his daddy was. But I'm not, I can't sit there and fanboy over Ryan Blaney. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was the last guy I could fanboy over. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is 45 years old. I'm 33. We're not even close. He was a grown man while I was still an adolescent. It, it, all, it all works out. And his father was an icon in, 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 in professional racing and in, in Americana. And I've told you before, he holds a very strong status in the Carmen household back home. We have pictures. I'm just going to tell you right now, Hickey. Or, excuse me, uh, Billy Jack, sorry, I get used to Hickey. You, you guys all sound the same. I told you about that. Pe- uh, uh, Billy Jack, you ready to hear this? I am. At my parents' house down in Canton, my dad had prints made of his three grandsons, which are my children. There is Axel, Eli, Jonah, and next to them is the Dale Earnhardt clock. That's how big of fans we were at Dale Earnhardt. Wow. Exactly. So they hold a high status in our home and in my family's history. And Dale Earnhardt's the last thing. So Dale Earnhardt becomes a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I say it, it, and I say that he's a legitimate first ballot Hall of Famer. And immediately people start, Kenny, come on. Kenny, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, look at his stats. Look at his wins. And th- you get it from both sides. You get it from people who de- never liked Dale Earnhardt Jr. And you get it from people who were big Dale Earnhardt fans who didn't believe that Dale Earnhardt Jr. really rose to the status. And to them, I'm sorry, but you have to get over that reality. In the world of auto racing, and in the world of NASCAR, there's probably two other drivers, maybe, maybe three, but basically two other drivers that are even in comparison at all with Dale Earnhardt. I would say Jeff Gordon and Richard Petty. Maybe somebody else would throw one in there fine, but when you look at the cultural significance of it, with the winning, the championships, the whole thing, I don't think that Jimmy Johnson took advantage. I don't think that he is nearly the celebrity of what Dale Earnhardt was and Richard Petty was and Jeff Gordon was. And that's part of it. And in the world of motorsport, across the world, I think there's maybe three, maybe four other people that are even in the same ballpark as Dale Earnhardt. 
And it's no, it's not Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is not nearly the driver that his father was. I still contend that if Dale Earnhardt would have lived in 2001 or wouldn't have died in 2001, I should say, I still think that Dale Earnhardt Jr. would have been a NASCAR champion at some point at the Cup's highest level. But he did win 26 races which is four more than Terry Labonte, who is a two-time cup champion. And I don't even like making that comparison because I don't feel the need I need to tear down Terry Labonte to prop up Dale Earnhardt Jr. And he's also a 15-time most popular driver. And people say that's flimsy. In NASCAR and in professional sports in general, Hall of Fame is a Hall of Fame is a Hall of Fame. And just like what Tim May just said of LettermanRoad.com, who primarily covers college football but does cover motorsports, when it's a Hall of Fame and you look across the world, Joe Namath, and I'm talking about the world of sports, he brought up Joe Namath. Joe Namath is the first person I brought up. If you put Joe Namath, go go Google Joe Namath and his stats and put him up against some of the greatest passers of all time. He is barely a fart in the wind compared to some of those other passers that have lived in the NFL. But Joe Namath is one of the first ones we bring up. He is a champion, and he was a cultural and still is a cultural icon. He was a good quarterback, a talented quarterback, and he was part of what ushered the NFL into the modern era. 100% is a Hall of Famer. 100% is a Hall of Famer. So I just, I, I shake my head and I go, how could you not see that the guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer? All right. Billy Jack? Yes, Ken. I'm done with NASCAR. Are you happy? Uh, I'm very much so, yes. Okay, good. I had to get it off my chest. The show's named after me. Damn it, I'm going to do my NASCAR. Mike Gundy, he's a conservative. I don't think that's a bad thing. I just don't want him to be a liar. I've been wanting to get this off my chest as well over the last couple of days. Now, Mike Gundy's got some other things on his plate right now that he has to deal with. Those things are alleged. I can get into those if you want me to, but I want to go back to the Chuba Hubbard scenario that happened earlier a couple of weeks ago. Chuba Hubbard put out a tweet where he had a picture. Somebody had sent him a picture of Mike Gundy, the head coach at Oklahoma State, with an OAN shirt on. OAN is a news network that is a right-wing slanted news network. Chuba Hubbard says, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society, and it's unacceptable. I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change, all caps change. Mike Gundy said he did not know where the network stood on Black Lives Matter. He is sorry about that. But... This is coming after a weird video that we have the uh, the audio of and what looks like flatly a coerced video of what we have the audio of, of Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy standing next to each other over at Oklahoma State. Hit it. The optics of that video looked ridiculous. He's standing there a few feet away from Chuba Hubbard. It looks like Chuba Hubbard is reading a prepared statement, which he more than likely was of some sort with some bullet points on it. And honestly, it looked to me, watching that video, and if you have a different opinion, fine, 855-212-4CBS, it looked like Mike Gundy said, get your ass in here, we got to talk about this, and we have to put out a video. Looked bad. Looked real bad. Because of how it looked, Mike Gundy later issued his own apology. Here's Mike Gundy on the issue.
That's Mike Gundy issuing his own, his own apology about it. He says he didn't know. If he didn't know, he didn't know. That's fair. That's fine. Mike Gundy's a conservative. That's perfectly fine. And to be honest with you, I expect him to be a conservative. I expect a lot of NFL – or excuse me, a lot of big-time college football coaches, a lot of NFL coaches, really a lot of high school coaches and football coaches in general in that sport to be conservatives, and I'll tell you why here in a second. Now, I know there's other things possibly coming out about Mike Gundy here with what he allegedly said to a player against uh, Colorado in 1989, and I also know that there's probably a story that's going to be coming out any day now about teams being willing to take pay cuts and coaches being willing to take pay cuts and asking some of the student athletes to take cuts on their scholarships and people agreeing to that and maybe Mike Gundy not agreeing to that, which probably wouldn't sit well to a young man like Chuba Hubbard. The first and foremost thing is that if a coach is a conservative, big deal. We don't need to be conservative or, or Democrat or Republican or liberal or, or any of the other things, left-wing, extreme left-wing, alt-right, extreme-right. We don't need to be that way. And I don't need to say that he's a conservative and that makes him a bad person. I can be against racism. I can be against social injustice and certainly be a conservative person. I told you this last week at basically the same time this last week, the same, in the same notion about a different subject. I've voted for four political parties in my life. And if you look at the way football coaches are, football coaches, by just the science of how they coach, you can tell that, yeah, football coaches are more than likely conservative people. Just like your old man probably was. In charge of a family, in charge of a lot of responsibilities. How many times have we accused one of our favorite football coaches or the coach of our favorite football team of coaching not to lose? You look at the type of traits in the classic conservative politics. You look at the type of traits of a football coach, college, high school, professional. Hell, it's just about the same thing, is it not? Him being a conservative doesn't surprise me. What does stick out to me, and I think that Mike Gundy can be a perfectly fine individual no matter how he votes in that case. He can be a perfectly fine individual and sit across the table from somebody's grandmother or somebody's mother or somebody's father or all of them, the entire family, and say, if your son comes to my school, we'll be able to take care of him, and he's going to get himself a dynamite opportunity. But the way that that looked looked ridiculous. And it looks like it was coerced, and it looks, frankly, like Mike Gundy called him up and said, what the hell are you doing on social media? Get your ass in this building right now because I am in control of your future, and I am in control of here of what says and what does, and how dare you put that out there publicly on me? And it looks, frankly, silly on Mike Gundy's part because I'm going to use Mike Gundy's own words against him. Chuba Hubbard's 21 years old. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard is a confused young man who is seeing imagery on television at that time that should bother him and that terrifies him. Chuba Hubbard's in his own life, in our own lives. At 21 years old, we are not fully developed. We are, we are open to emotional outbursts. We are open to emotional breakthroughs. We haven't thought it out altogether. That's you, that's me, that's Chuba. That was Mike Gundy when he was 21. We were all that way. And honestly, because it's Twitter, Mike Gundy should not give a damn because he tweeted it out there. It's Twitter. This is social media. Most of it's not real. Most of this is just, it's, it's not real. It's what we say at that time and how many times after we look at it and we go, yeah, probably shouldn't have said that, or maybe I feel differently about this at that time. 
well, he should have went and talked to Mike Gundy. Yeah, maybe he should have went and talked to Mike Gundy, but you know what? He's 21 years old. What the hell? You're the football coach out of it. You're the one who's 52 years old. Remember, you're the guy who made yourself famous across the entire country and maybe even across the entire world saying, I'm a man. I'm 40. Well, you're 52 years old right now, and you're not even backing up your own advice. You're the football coach. You're the guy who makes five-plus million dollars a year. He's the football player. He's the guy hoping to get to the NFL. He's the one who's setting rushing records for you. He's the guy hoping to be able to do that. That's him. Not you. That's him. He doesn't know that much. You do. You're supposed to be a guide in his life. You weren't. It looks as if you pulled him into an office and coerced him into some silly, weird apology to say that you guys were on the same side, and then you had to go back out there and apologize for that. It's a bad look. It's a bad look on you. It's a bad look on your program, and it makes me not want to believe you when you say these things. That's what that looks like to me. So this should be, and I'm not just talking about this, when it comes to everything with COVID-19 and what these programs are doing, I asked this to Tim May, and he agreed. The eyes are upon you. The eyes of the parents, the eyes of the players, these players, these 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds, They are, while they believe they're smarter than anybody, just like we believe when we were 15 and 16 years old, they do know more than what a lot of 15 and 16-year-olds knew when we were back at that age and our parents were back at that age. They know that there's people that are making a lot of money off their work. They know that there's a lot of things in the world that they need to be a part of and think about, that they are more socially open than they've ever been before, that they are more politically driven than they've ever been before, and they are paying attention to all this, just like they're paying attention to Chip Kelly, just like they're paying attention to Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and every single coach out there that wants to be a part of their future and wants to make more money and run their program based off their backs and provide them, yes, an opportunity for free school, no matter what you feel about that, and an opportunity to play at the next level after that. And when I see that, I go, man, you are a 52-year-old man who should only go on a Zoom call and a Zoom press conference and say, you know what, I talked to Chuba about it. I understood where Chuba was coming from. I didn't feel that way at that time. Now I do. I heard Chuba out about that. We talked about his tweet. His tweet is his tweet. He's a 21-year-old man. I'm 52 years old. I should know better because I have a hell of a lot more life experience than him. I apologize to Chuba about it, and we're moving on. Was that that hard? Because that's what basically any single football coach would probably should do in that situation. Or you can have some weird dog and pony show out there for the entire world to see and then apologize for that. Somehow I'm a man, I'm 40, was forgotten when you're 52. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Can we do top five favorite game shows someday? Because I love this music. We should do top five favorite game show songs. Like, Billy, this Price is Right. Family Feud, such a great song, man. Such a great game, too. It's classic, Ken. Price is Right's pretty good. You got to do the Rod Roddy version, like with him with the intro. Oh, hell, what else? Jeopardy. Oh, gosh, Jeopardy. Yeah, what am I thinking? Wheel of Fortune with the Wheel of Fortune at the beginning? Of course. Now, in Ohio, we have Cash Explosion Double Play, which was real big in the 90s. I don't know who they are yet. When it was, when it was Paul Tapia and Sharon Bicknell, boy, you could get no better. 7.30, Channel 5, you were there on a Saturday night, boy, except for college football season. But everything else, Saturday night, 7.30 p.m., you'd watch Academic Challenge at 7, and then you would watch with the late, great Don Webster, and then you would watch uh, Cash Explosion at 7.30. 
and we went to a live taping one time at the Canton Palace Theater, and my mom won a fanny pack. How do you like that? Uh, how about that? Does the New York Lottery have any shows like that? Do they have a TV show? Uh, uh they do. Yeah, they do. What's they it have. Called? I mean, they have. They have uh, a show. What do you guys call it? Casino. That's what I call it. I'm sorry. All right, you wanted to do top five NBA players ever, right? I did want to do that. See, this is the thing. is If, if it, Marco was doing the updates, if Marco were doing the updates, I would just blow right past the update time. I don't know if Erica Herskowitz that well. I've only listened to Erica Herskowitz, and I don't want to disrespect her, so it's like, okay, Billy, you'll do your top five first, then I'll do my top five, and then we'll talk about – then we'll take the break, then we'll talk about the death of the national pastime, okay? Okay, let's do that. All right, because I, I feel there's going to be some argument between the top fives here. So, 855-2124-CBS. All right. Billy, let's do your top five first. Go ahead. Do you want me to start with number five? Yes. we go. Let's go in a ascending order. All right. I'm really – I'm going to probably – this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but hey, here we go. Hmm. Number five, I'm going with Kobe Bryant. Wow. How come? Because I, in my personal opinion, I would never want to be on a team or my, I wouldn't want my team facing Kobe Bryant. To me, he was an assassin. He's a five-time NBA champion, mm-hmm. and he's always somebody who I would want on my team. People are going to be t- hurt by this or people are going to be upset by this. I have to ask, did his death – we do this with everybody – we do this in. I I just got done ranting about NASCAR for ten minutes. We do this in NASCAR. Does the untimely death of somebody elevate their status to you? I will say this: his death didn't elevate his status to me. Okay. But personally, what was that, Ken? I'm sorry. I said okay. So, okay. but his untimely death made me appreciate and study him more. Ah. So, oh, wow, I sounded like That's a fine. 13-year-old there. It's okay. It happens to me all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, so when you take into account, uh, personally, my studying of him, there's just, I mean, I can't, I, I, I don't see it any other way. I'm sorry. Okay. That's cool. All right, get to number four, number three, and number two, and number one. Then we'll get to Eric Hurskowitz. All right, so, uh, so, so, all right, so number you don't four, have to do it that quickly. Go I ahead. got number Magic. Four. Magic's number four. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Magic's number four. Wow, it's a little low. All right, who's number three? Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Where's he at on your favorite actors? Uh, he's he's not on that list. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> LeBron James. Michael oh, Jordan. Le- okay. That's not bad. Kareem's no, it's not, it's not terrible. But there's going to be haters out there that disagree with me. All right, you ready for some more hate? Oh, yeah. If LeBron wins a title with the Lakers, that's going to be four titles, three franchises. Two of them were in a horrible spot when he took them over. Yes. Does that elevate LeBron past Michael? Wow. Because LeBron asking- will have made – LeBron will – I think he's already been to more finals than Michael, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, he has. Okay. Just want to make sure. Go ahead. Um, of course he has. What am I thinking? So okay, so I, I I'm in terms of the greatest all time debate, I'm a Jordan guy, but I will say that 
LeBron James gives Michael a run for his money. Okay. Um. Now, if he wins with the Lakers, hmm. uh, wow, you're really, you're really, you're really putting me in a spot here. That's right. That's what I wanted to do, Billy. I'm gonna say no. You're still gonna say no. I'm still gonna say Michael. Is that just you digging your heels in because you're part of my generation that that grew up where where Michael was larger than life? He was this this incredible godlike figure, and LeBron is more human to us because we're all grown adults now. Um. Well, t- to me, the reason why I like the game is because of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. However, I'm sorry. However, um, just how I was kind of explaining the way I think with Kobe. Okay. So there's nobody I want to go up against. I mean, um, I'm sorry. There, there is nobody I'd rather have on my side than Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay, so it's Kobe, Magic, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron, and and, and then Michael, correct? Correct. Okay, I'll give you my top five. I've written your down. I'll give you my top five when we come back. And also, the death of the national pastime. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Well, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227. It's sponsored by Geico. Geico has introduced the Geico Give Back of 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers that last your full policy term. Visit geico.com slash giveback for info and eligibility. Richard, back to you. Richard Dawson, maybe the best. You know, Steve Harvey's up there in terms of, of family feud hosts. All right, you gave your top five. I'll give my top five. Your top five in ascending order, Billy Jack. Top my- five NBA players ever. Here we go. I got it. Kobe, Magic, Kareem, five through three. Number two, LeBron. Number one, Michael Jordan, correct? Correct. Billy, you're about to lose it. We are not that far off from each other. Okay. We are not that far off. Okay, let's hear it. Number five, Kobe Bryant. Wow. Now, I originally did this back in April. And a lot of people said, Ken, your reasoning is because he just passed recently. And I said, um, dying early, fading, uh, uh, excuse me, <sighs> going up in flames instead of fading away is, I think, the Led Zeppelin song, correct? Correct. Um, yes, but no, because I think with Kobe, Kobe's definitely top 10, and I, I would say top 7 to a lot of people. What he did in those final championship runs what he did with the fifth championship, I mean, those guys are not that great around him. When Paul Gasol's your biggest piece, like Paul's a good player, but it's it's not the super teams that we've talked about in the past. And remember, you went to another finals, you just lost to a really good basketball team. Kobe doing that, I think, elevates him. And and honestly, if Kobe, you think about this here, Billy, if Kobe wouldn't have died, like he had already won a, a an Oscar, who knows what else he would have done in just regular life. So I think that that elevates his status. Does it not? Like, there are guys who are Hall of Fame players. Like, Michael Strahan's a Hall of Fame player, and my kids will know Michael Strahan the same way I knew Frank Gifford. I never saw Frank Gifford play. Frank Gifford was a guy I knew play football, but he was a television host. Uh, Michael Strahan, I think he'll be a guy that people won't know was a television host, but is a, or excuse me, was a football player, but as a television host. So it crosses over, but I think that that makes the star rise up higher. If Kobe Bryant is producing movies and directing and doing all these other things, 
I think that it elevates his star a little bit more. So I think even if he wouldn't have had an, a tragic, untimely passing, I think Kobe Bryant might find himself in the top five. Number four, Bill Russell. And let me tell you why. Will is not in this. Will is not on this list. I think Bill Russell did more with less. With his physical abilities, the winning, the leadership, those things have to count for something in NBA basketball, National Basketball Association basketball. Ooh, that's redundant. In the NBA, I put Bill Russell number four. What Bill Russell dealt with during the time that he played has to go into it as well. He was tough. It was the way that things needed to be. He was that guy that called for it. I put Bill Russell in the top five. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not in the top five, which a lot of people disagreed with. But hear me out on the rest of my top five. Number three, Magic Johnson. Any arguments from the peanut gallery there, Billy? <laughs> um, the only thing I will say, Ken, is that – I did my top five purely based on the floor. Uh-huh. So I'm not really looking at, you know, all the other bells and whistles. Not that that stuff I, is not the important. Only, the only thing – okay, that's right, because I did, I did mention for Bill Russell. But I did say the winning. I think he did more of it with less than Wilt Chamberlain. I, I, Wilt Chamberlain's lack of championships when I thought he could be the most dominating player at that time. I mean, come on, you're playing with a bunch of accountants, really. And Bill Russell. Right, but I, I, I look at it in the age of social media – uh-huh. If you really want to take in off-the-floor stuff, to me, the best player is LeBron James. Um, The best – wait, if you're just talking about that, the best player ever is LeBron? No, no, no. If you're, if you're taking account everything these guys did off the floor, I think LeBron is a star among stars. Okay. Just That's, my opinion. Mm, I think Michael would still be a bigger star because Michael starts that. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Michael I starts do. that. I think LeBron is number two. I think Michael's number one. Now, if you're adding in the other things, I think that you have a great point. I think a lot of people might see it your way, but I think Michael starts that. So if he's the founding father of it, maybe LeBron did it bigger, but I think Michael's the bigger one on that. I still put Michael number one. I put LeBron number two. I put LeBron number two for that reasoning. Well, so go ahead. I think I mean I'm still going with it as far as a, from a basketball standpoint. I'm going with Michael Jordan. Hmm. Uh, well, I would say yes because I find Michael to be a mythical figure. Now, I mean, you go to six straight championships, or well, not six straight, but you get what I'm saying. You go to six NBA Finals. You win six NBA Finals. The teams that you beat. Those were great teams, especially like Utah with Carl Malone and John Stockton. Those were great basketball teams. To beat those teams, that puts you at a higher level than that. You could kill it, start to kill the music here for a second here. Um, those were great basketball teams. Those are Hall of Famers that you beat. Charles Barkley was an was an NBA MVP at that time. Clyde Drexler was one of the greatest ever. Now, when you watch The Last Dance, Michael does a lot of laughing over that, but. But a lot of those guys are telling the truth, and not just the truth the way they see it, the, the truth the way that a lot of people who followed basketball at that time saw it. Gary Payton is a respectable Hall of Fame-level basketball player and was the top, one of the top five players of the NBA at that time. The same thing can be said for, obviously, Carl Malone and John Stockton and what I just said about Charles Barkley, who was an NBA, NBA MVP at that time. You did beat, I think LeBron plays against better overall athletes, but I think LeBron's a better athlete. 
I think LeBron's a better natural athlete. He's playing against better natural athletes, but I think it crosses that out. For Michael, what Michael did is 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 mythical. In today's NBA, against still incredible athletes, where what Michael did is something that I still saw Golden State do during their run, and what they could still do again when they get healthy. What When you are able to be good enough where you make other teams worse, where you make other teams freak out and do silly things, I think it's I, – I love it because it's something that shows you just how great you can be. Where you can see teams like the Pacers and Reggie Miller, who was another great one, and very physical, they start to flip out, they start to crumble because of that. The Knicks and just how – and I love Charles Oakley and it kills me to admit this. I love John Starks on that team. Anthony – the whole thing. Anthony Mason, Patrick Ewing, the whole – and it just – they could – not get him out of their heads. They could not get him out of their heads. There was something missing. And you see just how tough Pat Riley is. I think that that goes to show you just how great Michael Jordan is because Pat Riley is one of the was one of the toughest players that you could find. Wasn't the greatest player. One of the toughest players that you could find and one of the toughest coaches that you could find. And that mental toughness worked out for everybody in the Eastern Conference when it came to those Knicks teams except for who? Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. If you're able to be better and and get in their heads and beat them in their own building. Remember, there was a time where they played each other in the postseason, and they went into that, I think it was, what, 93? Didn't they win 27 in a row at MSG going into those games? And Michael beat them twice? I mean, th- these are incredible, incredible years. And so for him to be able to do that, as much as I think I want to make an argument for LeBron, because it's easy to do, it's an easy argument to make, it's fun to do, as much as I want to do it for LeBron, I have to give it to Michael. Now, LeBron, there's nobody else I'm taking in a game seven throughout the entire game. Last shot, last shot in other situations, I would probably go with somebody else. But for that, definitely, definitely got to go with Michael. Or definitely got to go with LeBron for the game as it is. But with everything else for number one, I got to go with Michael. So that's the top five. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. What I'm afraid of that could happen over the weekend, and I mean this and I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to make anybody nervous. Not trying to do any of that. What I'm trying to say is something that I, I worry about for my generation, what I worry about for future generations of sports fans. Baseball should have a place. For a long time, I've argued for baseball. I've argued about baseball. I don't claim to know the most about baseball on this network, and I certainly won't claim to know the most about baseball on my own station. I won't even claim to know. Yeah, I will claim to know more about baseball than the guy coming up next. What the hell? But from what I see baseball where it was, when I was a kid and when my father was a kid, to where I'm at now and seeing where baseball is now, I worry we're seeing the death of the national pastime, where I can't even say it anymore. Not that baseball will go away and that we'll not play the game anymore. But baseball as the representation of what we are. Good, bad, everything. Because if you look through the history of the game, and I'm going to sound very Ken Burnsian here, that's fine. If you look through the history of the game, there's a lot of things that have been represented through baseball. And there's been a lot of things that baseball has been able to endure and come out even stronger on the other end. Work stoppages, the previous work stoppages that they've had, 94, it was saved in 98. We've gone through wars. 
We've gone through racism, racism even in baseball. We've gone through the, the invention of free agency where people still, it's the first sport that they love. It's usually the first sport that a young person plays. You can make the argument with soccer now, but in my generation, and I'm not that old, in my generation it was the first sport that a young person plays. It's something that meant something to the country. And it's been a longtime symbol of our country. Again, good, bad, ugly, wherever you take it, it's still a symbol of our country. You can't tell me that baseball, which is played in several countries across the world, all over, that some of those countries, yes, there is a love of the game, they like the game, they pick up the game, but you cannot tell me that there were several countries ago. America does this. America does these things well. Baseball, we can, we can bring a slice of that America to our country. We can emulate America. While we don't see that now in 2020, or we get very cynical about that, that conversation now in 2020, there was a time where that was true. And bringing baseball to certain parts of the world was part of that reason. I think baseball finds itself in a watershed scenario here. If they can't get something done, we have long memories. And you go into a year next year for 2021 where you're going to have another long-term conversation about what you're going to do in terms of a work, in terms of a work relationship between the players and the owners. And while things will hopefully be better with our health publicly over the next year, we hopefully, we hope that it is. Some of us assume that it will. I can't make those assumptions live on air. But we hope that it is. We're not too sure where it's going to be economically. You know, this is probably going to take a while to get out of. It's probably going to take a bit. And hopefully, eventually, we rise up and we overcome and we, we find ways to be ingenuitive and we find ways to be better. And we find ways to, to move on as a society. And we will find disposable income again. We will find things that we're behind again. We'll find movies and we'll find actors and actresses and people in Hollywood and people in all forms of entertainment. We'll certainly do that in sports as well. We'll find people who we want to look up to to emulate yet again. Uh, there's a lot of consumer questions going on right now in sports and Hollywood and entertainment and everything there. We will find those people again. I wonder if baseball is going to find them. Football, I got Patrick Mahomes, I got Lamar Jackson, good people, setting their sports on fire, young, exuberant, changing the way the game is. Basketball, we still have LeBron James. We might have Zion Williamson if things continue to go on the trajectory that we're on. Baseball, I have who? I have Bryce Harper, who I, I look at as the Ric Flair of professional baseball, which is still a lot of fun, but maybe not the guy we look to right now. And in baseball, I have Mike Trout, but Mike Trout doesn't really want it. And if I'm not interested in the game at, at the professional level, then how am I going to bring people in? Because before, when I grew up, when I was a kid, it was who I could emulate that I saw on TV when I was watching my favorite baseball teams, watching my favorite players. It was who I could emulate. If I have nobody I can emulate anymore, if I have nobody that I can look for, then it's just a sport that I'm playing right now. It's a sport that I'm interested in right now as a five-year-old, but I don't have a connection to. That's a scary scenario. That's a scary scenario for Major League Baseball, and I think that that's something that they need to think about. I understand that you're about your paper. I know that you have car payments and house payments, and these things are easier to say than, well, some five-year-old's going to be upset because I'm not playing. Yeah, I know. It's easy to think about that now 
when you're going through a labor negotiation. But it's something that both sides need to think about into the future. Both the owners, who are supposed to be the stewards, the patrons of the science, the people that are bringing in people to love that game, and they need those customers to love that game. They need those families to have that heart with that game so they continue to come to those games and love those teams and be a part of those teams. They need it, and for the players as well. The guys who will end their careers and still be invited to the card shows and be invited on TV and on radio and will write books and be beloved just for who they were and what they meant to the American public. I don't worry about the NBA. The NBA is just fine. I don't worry about the NFL. The NFL looks like it'll be just fine. I have sincere worry for Major League Baseball. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.